Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. talk about this bad news headline of death. We all experience it. Uh, I don't want to, spoiler, uh, I don't know if you know, um, that is, that's the great equalizer. That's the common denominator. That's the human experience. Everybody in this room, um, we've had loved ones who've passed, people who are near to us, and all of us are, are kind of marching towards eternity. And so what is the good news for death? That feels like the opposite of good news today to sit around and talk about death. Why are we talking about death? Because what we believe about eternity determines how we live today. So how you spend your time, how you spend your resources, how you spend what relationships look like for you, where your headspace is, all your conversations, the things that you think, all that's marked by how you view God, really how you view eternity and what you think the implications of the good news is for your life um, is made manifest in how you live today. And even in the Christian tradition uh, and with family and friends who share our convictions about the divinity of Jesus, we can forget the good news about death. So we can be full of fear, be full of anxiety, be, be full of worry, be marked by uh, depression or just like really hard space. And, and, and when it comes to death, we all have like, there's those just phrases that we say. Anytime we go to a funeral, we go to a wake, you've been there, I've been there, people come up and, and there's always a mixed bag of responses when people pass away. I'm sorry for your loss. He's in a better place. At least she's not in pain anymore. He was a good man. We'll miss her, but heaven needed another angel. Like we've all done those types of things. And um, I remember going to my great-grandma's wake, and she was, like, right at 90 years old, and uh, they decided to do the open casket thing, like, for the family to be able to process, grieve, and just have some closure. I'm not a huge fan of the open casket thing. Can I just go on record? Can y'all just let Holbrook accountable on that? Okay, so it's like, I'm not a huge fan of the open casket thing. When, I, when I'm out, I want to do, like, a New Orleans-style, like, parade like with a band and everything and then like at the end of that you're like of course you do but at the end of that like I want to put I'm going to be put like on a raft and be pushed out into the ocean and Brooke shoot a flaming arrow that like turns everything like a Viking style funeral hold her accountable so but we're at this we're at this wake and we're we're standing you know shaking everybody's hands people are coming through the line everyone who comes in they look at great grandma and, the, and a lot of people would come by and they would say, she looks so good. She looks so good. Have you ever had anybody do that at a wake for open casket? It's like, no, she don't, bro. She looks dead. Like she's not, she's not, and she's not there. Like that's a body. And, and so, um, but it's, it, th- that's our experience when it comes to death. It's just like a, it, it's, a, it's a hard place for us to be. It's a, it's a sad, it can be a, really hard. It could be painful place for us to be, but there's good news for death. And it sounds crazy, but as Jesus followers, this is the reason for the good news, by the way. So as much as the good news is there for your condemnation and for your failure and for your fear and for your suffering and all that, the good news is there for your death. That's the reason why Jesus comes is to ransom. This is the reason why Jesus comes on a rescue mission. God so loved the world that he sends his son so that we wouldn't perish, so that we would have life eternal in Jesus. And so uh, as humans, though, the lived experience is, is that death isn't a party. It's hard and it's painful and it's ugly and it causes us to be hurt. And so uh, I don't want to, as much as there is good news for death, I want to hit a couple things before we get into that. So part of death is bad news. Part of death is bad news. 
Um, the reality is that, again, every single person you've ever met, uh, this is the thing that we're marching toward. We don't really know exactly the time or the place or how, um, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, we kind of have in our mind and in our ideas the way that life is going to play out, and it doesn't always play out that way. And so um, it's, it's bad news in that you, you, will love, you will lose people that you love. You, you will. And, and, and the, the older we are and the more that we march towards it, uh, the more we experience it. And the idea uh, is that it, it awaits every single person. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge that death is bad and death as a matter of fact, the Bible calls it our last enemy. Death is our last enemy. And so uh, death is really bad news for some, though. And that there are some people who experience death, but they're, but they're not in relationship with Christ. They haven't trusted. They haven't believed on Jesus. And so those who die without Christ, the Bible tells us, are eternally separated from God. I'm going to read you passages of Scripture today. And just like every other week, uh, I'm going to offend you, not because of what I say or my opinion. I'm just going to read Scripture, and then Jesus will offend you, okay? I promise you. But, like, there's things that just kind of get all up in our business and, and make us think a little bit different about life and about eternity. And so death is bad news for some because they're eternally separated from God. And the bad news... Uh, and this is why Jesus comes and he gives his life is so that he can, he can rescue and redeem and restore those who, like, that's everybody's fate. That's everyone. That's like where we're all headed. And then Jesus comes and the good news is, is you and I, we don't have to, we don't have to live that way. And that doesn't have to be our fate. So part of death is bad in that we lose people we love this side of eternity. But part of it is bad because there's people who don't belong to Jesus and uh, who don't want to belong to Jesus and who die and are eternally separated from God. This is Jesus in John 8, 21. He's talking to a religious group of people, people who are skeptical of his divinity. They don't believe in Jesus, haven't trusted in him. It says this in verse 21 of chapter 8. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away. You will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where you go, I, uh, where I go, you cannot come. And so this phrase, die in your sin, is basically, hey, you're in your sin, and outside of a relationship with me, Outside of trusting me and believing that I am who I say I am, you'll die in your sin. And you can't go where I'm going in your sin. And so uh, keep reading on the same passage. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from, he just goes after him. You're from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. And I told you that you would die in your sins. And he says this, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. And so if you don't believe in me, if you don't believe that I'm the son of God, if you don't believe that I am who I say I am, you'll die in your sins. And dying in your sins means you can't go where Jesus is going. And it's a reference to hell. And some of you are like, wow, he's getting after it today. And I invited a friend. So we're talking about death. And now we're talking about hell. I'm so sorry. It was called good news. We were promised it was only good news. But like, but the, the, the reality is, is that the, the, the reason for the good news is the is the fate that awaits all of us. And so uh, if we don't accept the reality of hell, it's impossible to appreciate the full weight of grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm going to put it this way. The good news isn't good, isn't as good without something to be rescued from. This is the reason for the good news is that Jesus comes to rescue you from uh, a future eternity separated from God. 
And so uh, 74% of Americans believe in heaven. There's Barna Research and some other research attached to this. Majority of the people you know were cool with heaven. 40% of those people, not even of 100%, but of those people uh, believe in hell, which is around, I'm not good at math, check it, but it's like 29% or something like that. And so a little bit difference, you know, like we believe in one, not the other. And, uh, and so most people believe that hell is reserved for those people or the worst of what society has to offer. So uh, terrorists probably going to make the cut, murderous, rapists, you know, people like that. You're like, that's what hell's reserved for. If we're grading on a curve, I'm good, right? If, 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 I'm, if I'm basing eternity off of the people around me, a lot of these jokers are terrible. I'm probably going to make the cut. We're probably going to heaven. Except Jesus, uh, he talks about, Eternity in a different way in scripture. And so this is Matthew 7, beginning with verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And when I was growing up, I used to read this passage of Uh, thinking about the narrow road and thinking about this small gate as a way of living. Like I have to be good and man, I got to keep it together because this is a narrow road. I got to stay on this narrow road, but the, the, the narrow road and the small gate is not a, a way of living. It's not right behavior. It's not merit. It's Jesus. That's the gate. That's the narrow road. There's one way. And then he says, Hey, here's the sobering piece. Hey, only really that not everybody finds it. Not everybody finds that. And so it wouldn't make sense, like, if you're, if you're the enemy of God, if you're our enemy, if you're Satan, it's a great move to have everyone believe that there's no eternal consequences for your life now. But this is why we even need the good news, is why you and I need it. And so uh, the majority of people that I talk to every week are already followers of Jesus. A lot of you who are here, you already believe and trust Jesus with your life. And yet in a room like this, there's always people who grew up in some kind of religious mindset or who are trying this thing out or who want to believe in God and kind of mildly skeptical about some things. We know that because we've had like just over the course of this series alone, we've had 53 people respond and give their lives to Jesus just over the course of this series. Y'all can clap for that. If y'all don't clap for nothing else, I say today. And so that's just God doing his thing. But that's, that's, that's God drawing people to himself. Holy Spirit, lift your head, help you see Christ as we open up his word. Uh, but I'm telling you that because there's always, there's more opportunity for people to experience the good news. There's more opportunity for people to experience the salvation that he offers. And it matters because eternity is at stake. The reason why the good news is even a big deal, the reason why biblically Jesus is like, he commissions his church and he says, I want you to share this message to the ends of the earth. And I want you to do it with a sense of urgency. And I want you to lay your lives down for this message. And it matters because eternity is at stake. And so, um, I, you know, I, I just want us to think more in terms of, like we started off the whole series, good news, this phrase in Greek is euangelion. And so not only is it good news, not only does it refer to Jesus who brings good news, but it refers to this term evangelize, which means share your faith with people. Share your story of what God's done in your life. And live in such a way that people are drawn to that. You preach a message both with your life and both. But it's, it's both verbal, but it's also, I just look more like Jesus. God, give me over to the good news so that my life reflects it. And so, um, so there, are, there is bad news attached to death. We know that. Um, and because, you know, we don't, ultimately we don't know when we're going to die. 
you and I will watch movies sometimes and <laughs> we'll watch movies and people will get shot or get stabbed or fall off of something. And there's always like three to five minute monologue as they're dying, you know what I mean, where they get to kind of say what they want to say, uh, which is not the way death works the majority of the time, right? You, you and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like if we're going to have time to say uh, what we think to say. And my encouragement is this, don't wait until death to say what you need to say in life. It frustrates me so much when I go to funerals, when I go to wakes, when I go to pe- people are celebrating the life of others, expressing gratitude, celebrating their impact on their lives. And I'm like, did we say that while they were alive? And the reverse is true. Like, let me say and express gratitude for the people who've affected me. Let me talk about who God is to me this side of eternity. Let me not wait until the last minute to try and get it all in because death can happen in an instant. We don't always have time to repent. And by repent, I don't mean change your actions. I mean change the way you think about the way that you live and your actions will follow. That's what I mean when I say repent. And so um, even if it doesn't happen in an instant, even if death doesn't happen in an instant, because I know people, uh, friends and people that I grew up with, they're like, I'm not going, listen, I'm not going to do the whole Christian thing. I'm just going to wait until like later, you know what I'm saying? So I can kind of get in what I want to get in and then be like, and then I'm going <laughs> to, then I'm going to trust my life to Jesus. But you won't. The same people who won't trust you, if you won't trust your life now or believe in, in Jesus for who he says he is now, you're not going to do it on your deathbed. And so uh, part of death is bad news. It's bad news. Also part of death is sad news. And it's okay to be sad when somebody dies in your life that means a lot to you. For whatever reason in Christian, in kind of in our Christian world, we we think it, it, it showcases a lack of faith if we, if we mourn, if we grieve, if we're sad when somebody who's near to us who has, a, who has a faith in Jesus, when they pass, somehow it's like, you know, well, I mean, it just shows people that I, that I don't trust God if I express or if I mourn or if I'm sad about it. And yet the opposite is true biblically. Like God, it's a biblical mandate to mourn. It's a biblical mandate to grieve. It's actually healing to grieve. It's important. And it doesn't mean that you grieve with no hope. It just means that you grieve. You're just sad. Like there's someone who meant something to you. Now there's a hole there. There's like a, there's a relationship that was really important to you. They're not going to be there any longer. I think it's important. And so look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And notice that it doesn't say, so that you do not grieve. It's, so it's saying, hey, grieving is a part of the human experience. That's going to happen. But the way that we want you to do it is to grieve in a way that you actually, you actually have hope. And so it's, it's a healing thing to grieve. Um, over the course of our lifetime, like in my lifetime, like, we've had, like last year, we lost our daughter. We had, uh, I've had grandparents that have passed away. I've had aunts and uncles that have passed away. I had a friend in middle school, played football with, killed himself. I had other friends in high school who died in a car wreck. And it's just like sobering. Like death is hard and grieving is a part of that process. Sadness is a part of that experience. And so Ecclesiastes 4 puts it this way. There's a time for everything and a season for activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to, you keep reading on through that passage, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Good news, there's time to dance. But also there's time to mourn. And it's okay to grieve. The New Testament backs us up on this in Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes it's a party. Celebrate when it is. Also grieve and mourn with those who mourn. 
which is a reminder, like when somebody loses someone, not only is it their part in their job to grieve, but as a Christ follower, it's your job for the people that you love to come alongside and grieve together. Nothing, nothing heals more than to have somebody walk alongside a hard season with you and grieve alongside of you. That's our job. And, and so sad news is, is attached to death. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn and grieve with others. Um, and so we get our perspective. As Jesus followers, we get our perspective and our marching orders from Christ. And so you're like, great. You, you threw some Ecclesiastes at me. You threw some Romans at me. Well, Jesus, give me an example in Jesus. I'll give you one. So John 11 um, is probably the best example I have of Jesus grieving the loss of a loved one. And so John eleven thirty five actually is the shortest passage in all of scripture. And it is, it is Jesus mourning the loss of his friend. It's two words. It's a subject and a verb. And it says, Jesus wept. That's all it says. And he just wept at the death of his buddy Lazarus. And so um, why does he weep? Did he weep because Lazarus died? And leading up to this, this moment, look at verse 33 through 35. It says this, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And so Jesus goes and visits the family. He loves this family. He loves Lazarus. He loves Martha and Mary. Comes and sees Martha and Mary mourning, grieving the loss of their brother. And uh, up to this moment, though, Jesus hasn't wept. So Jesus got the news four days ago. Passage doesn't tell us anything about Jesus grieving four days ago. He knows he's going to resurrect his brother too. Like he knows he's getting ready to be like, all right, my man, come out. Like he knows that's getting ready to happen. And yet he weeps. Why does he weep? Because he weeps with those who weep. And and again, if you read through it, when Jesus saw her weeping, when he sees the impact that death has had on this family, Jesus is broken, not because he's afraid for Lazarus, not because he can't resurrect Lazarus, not because he's not Lord over death itself. It's just because he's going, look at the impact that sin, brokenness, death has had on this family. They've lost their loved one. And so passage also says this in John eleven thirty three. 33, it says he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. Your, your Bible may say that he groaned in his spirit. He groaned in his spirit. And in the original language, that's groaning in your spirit is like you snort in anger, which is like if you've ever been frustrated and you were just being passive aggressive instead of saying what you wanted to say, it was just like, you know, if you've ever been like in a group saying, you're like, like you're just, you know, but so Jesus does that. He he snorts in anger. He groans in anger. And then the the Bible says that um, he was troubled which means agitated. So he's angry and agitated. He's not angry and agitated at Martha and Mary. He's angry and agitated at death. And so Jesus in this moment is angry about the effect of death on the people that he loves. And you and I worship a God who goes to war with death. Death came into the world through sin and death uh, was doing this to the people that he loved. And Jesus comes to write that. Jesus comes. This This is the good news, by the way. This is the whole reason for this series. This is the whole reason that you're here today. This is the whole reason. You need to hear this. Jesus comes to rob death, hell, and the grave. This is where we're all headed. And then Jesus comes, not because of merit, not because of good behavior, not because uh, I've, I've got my life together in comparison to other people, but I've trusted my life with Jesus, and I believe that he says who he is, and then I experience salvation and an eternity with him. Not on what I've done, but on who he is. That's, everything rides on that. 
And so Mary and Martha uh, are also angry in this passage. Mary and Martha are also agitated in this passage, but not at death. They're actually agitated at Jesus. Look at this in John eleven twenty one. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Mary says the same thing in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, where were you? And some of us have had that moment where we've had family members or people close to us who've died, uh, sometimes prematurely, sometimes, like a lot of times unexpectedly, and we go, what, where are you? Like, where were you? Why, why would you allow this to happen in my life? And we, we, what we do is we focus our own anger, we focus our own agitation at the one who comes to rob death hell and the grave at the one who comes to save at the one who comes to give us life instead of focusing that anger and that agitation in the right direction so don't direct anger at the one who came to defeat death but the one and, and the one who brings resurrection be angry and agitated at the one who brought death into the world so jesus follower don't be mad at god for the loss of your loved one be mad at sin and death and hell for the loss of your loved one this is right thinking right theology people are like why do bad things happen why does suffering why does suffering happen why does sickness happen why does death happen sin <laughs> and then jesus comes to right that relationship and give us over to an eternity that we don't even deserve and so we've got to be real careful also with the regrets that we have sometimes around lost uh, loved ones and past relationships because this is the way that the enemy works somebody in your family will pass away could be a parent could be a you know a good friend or someone and and you didn't maybe say what you needed to say this side of eternity and so the enemy will come in and say what a garbage son you are what a terrible daughter you are and you just let that sit in. You carry that your whole life with what you didn't say rather than living in this light of, hey, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. I got to trust God to do the work that I can't do in my own power, my own strength, this side of eternity. And so, um, so there is bad news for death and there's sad news for death. But hear me, there's good news for death. Jesus, he gets angry and agitated at what death was doing to his friends. And so Jesus comes and he delivers us from the evil one to free us from our shame and to rob the grave. He came to kill death and defeat that final enemy. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And Hebrews 2 is so great because it says, hey, listen, the good news, the gospel will begin to transform you in such a way. The good news will hit in such a way that at some point in your maturation of looking more like Jesus and experiencing all that he has to offer, you begin to fear a lot less. He robs you of shame he robs you of fear. He robs you of all these things that kind of mark the human experience. And I know because I've experienced it. Where I'm in a room with someone who's so full of faith in the saving work of Jesus, they're so ready to go home. Like, they're so ready. They're not afraid at all. They're like, thank you, God, that I get to step into eternity and experience my Savior and experience my loved ones who also trusted you. Like, through death, Jesus destroys the plan of the enemy. This is 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so Jesus comes to undo death, to save us and rescue us and to, 
and to put us into not a temporary relationship with God, but an eternal relationship with God. Second Timothy puts it this way. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the what? The good news, the gospel. So it's been revealed through the appearing of Jesus, and Jesus came to destroy death and has brought life and life eternal to light through the good news. This is how he brings life and this is how he brings life eternal is the good news of who he is, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It has implications for your own resurrection. And, um, and this, is what he, this is what he wants us to live. So Jesus destroys death. He brought life and immortality through the good news, not through what you and I have done, but what he's done on our behalf. Um, I, was, I was thinking through this message today and just thinking about death and, and just being around it. Um, and in my own life, people that I've lost that I loved. And uh, I gave you a few examples earlier, but one, one that hits pretty hard for me is my uncle. Uh, years ago, I was uh, just starting out in ministry, and my uncle was my pastor growing up. And when he was in his early 60s, it was, it was a Saturday, and I got a call from my mom, and she led with um, Uncle Randall is dead. He died. Uncle Randall died. And I was like, I like I don't know if you've ever gotten news that caught you off guard like that, like someone died suddenly and it just no one was expecting it, no he wasn't sick, any of that kind of thing. And he had done a good Friday service um the day before, and it was like a community service. There was a bunch of churches that came together. And then that Saturday he was really prepping for Easter Sunday. So he was burning brush and he was gonna have the whole family over for Easter lunch, and that's what he was doing. Fire got away from him, he inhaled a lot of smoke, had a heart attack, died in the yard. Next day's Easter Sunday. He's pastor in this church that I grew up in. And I get this call and I'm like, what in the world? Like in that moment, um, I wasn't worried about where he was headed. Like nobody's probably in my life, maybe preached a better message with their life. He was just faithful man. Like he just looked and like, it, it was fun to be around him because he preached better with his life than he did on the platform. And, and so, um, we, the funeral a few days later was in, they had to, they had to have this big auditorium. We couldn't do it in the church because of the amount of people that wanted to celebrate his life. And, and in that space, um, uh, it was sad for those of us who were close to him and it hurt and it was painful. And it was like, how do we f- like that? A massive hole, like literally the next day is Easter Sunday. Can you imagine going into Easter Sunday? And um, it, he, he led it at church for like 32 years, something like that. And um, so anyway, so, but just processing all this and experience how, how it hurt. And, and we had family members, and I still, I really think still have family members who are struggling to kind of process that loss. Like, God, why would you, like, why Randall? Why would you let that guy, like, you know, all of us, you know what I mean? Like that's, and yet, um, and yet in that moment, none of us questioned like where he was. All of us had like this real hope and this expectation that, hey, we'll see him again in eternity. We know exactly where he's at. And so it's still, it's hard, but man, there's just such good news attached to, um, 
having a faith and, and a belief and a trust in Jesus that goes, man, it does not matter what this life throws at you. It doesn't matter what the phone call is. It doesn't matter what. And, and so my encouragement to you is just to, to live in light of the gospel, live in light of the good news. What you think about eternity determines how you live your life. And if, if, we'll, if we'll stop and we'll think, okay, how does my life reflect the good news? How much do I actually believe in the plot of my life? And if I do, at some point, what will happen is God will give me over to just a real faith and a confidence in him that regardless of what happens, regardless of what the phone call is, regardless of suffering or pain or anything that's going on around me, even in my own life, like there's just a real trust. Like he takes, he takes fear, robs me of fear, gives me over to a trust and a salvation and a confidence and a freedom in him. And that's what I want for everybody who's here in this room. But man, we just have to have that moment. Again, not where you're basing your eternity off of, are you good? Are you doing enough religious things? But am I, like, have I really, am I in real relationship with Jesus? It, and so I've, I've, for the longest time growing up, it was just always about, uh, am I being good enough? Versus, just like he says, Jesus says, hey, if you want to go where I'm going, if you want to experience eternity with the Father, you need to believe that I say that I am who I say I am. And, and your, your salvation rests in that. That is the good news. So I want us to think, I want you to, as we pray together, I want you to ask this question. Just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to, like, what's my takeaway for today? Am I mad at you because, um, because there's someone in my life that's died and I couldn't really reconcile that death? Why do we have to go through that hard thing? Why do we have to lose that loved one? Are you mad at God about losing some people? Or are you in a headspace where you know what? Like, hey, I can't. I, I don't really know. If I were to die today, I don't really know if I'm in right relationship with Jesus. I don't know that I've actually trusted. I don't know that. Talking about that narrow road, talking about that gate that's small. I don't know that I'm really in relationship. I don't know. I think I've been operating out of something else entirely. So just ask the Holy Spirit, hey, help me to see what it is that you want me to see and apply it to my life. God, thank you so much for your church. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to gather today. And thank you for your word. And uh, thank you for this series, God, the way that you're moving in people's lives. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, the same thing, that you would come and you'd lift the head of all who are in this space so that we can experience you in this moment and remind us that you love us, that you're for us. And even in death, the death of those around us, God, even in our own, you have victory over that. And so um, help us to believe the good news, that it actually applies to our life. It's just an act of faith. And as we believe that you are who you say you are, you begin this transforming effect on our lives where we love you better and love the people around us better. Help us to say what we need to say this side of eternity, God. Help us to, to love and serve people, express gratitude for you and others now. Let's not wait until they die. Let's do it now. And help us to grieve alongside of those who are grieving and help us to realize that there is a sad angle on death, but ultimately for those who are in relationship with you in right relationship with you, Jesus, there's good news. There is an eternity that waits. There is a heaven that waits. And so if you're here, and uh, a couple questions for us today. If you're here and you've lost a loved one and you've struggled maybe in the past with 
just being angry, you just be vulnerable in this moment. Just say, you know what? I've been angry at God before. I've been agitated. I've been frustrated because I lost a loved one, and it was hard for me, and I didn't understand why God took them. Is anybody, you'd be honest enough to just raise your hand in this room and say, that's me. Like I've had, yeah, I'm seeing some hands. Yeah, people that we've lost, and we're like, why would we have to experience that? Holy Spirit, I pray through your word, God, that you would just help people to be encouraged in this moment, to see, God, that you are a, a God of life, that you're a God of love, that you come to, uh, to combat an enemy that, that brings sin, that brings brokenness, that brings death, that brings hell, and you offer life. You offer life. And so even though there are consequences to sin, God, you give us over to a grace that we don't deserve, a future that we don't deserve. And because of that, we can have the hope of seeing loved ones and people who have trusted their faith in you again. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've been playing church, been doing religious things, listen, it will not save you, and being good will not save you. Only surrendering your life to Jesus will save you. And not only make him save you, some of you are here and you're like, I, I don't have a hard time like intellectually struggling with the idea of his life, his death, and his resurrection. I'm there, but I have struggled to make him Lord of my life. My life does not reflect that I actually believe the good news. Because repentance looks like changing the way that you think. And then it plays out in your life. So you need to, to confess him as Lord. You need to repent, confess him as Lord, experience salvation today. If you've never trusted your life to Jesus, if he's not Lord of your life and you want to come to faith in Christ today, if you want to know that, hey, salvation is mine, not because of what I've done, but because of who Jesus is. Salvation is the moment you finally see Jesus in relationship to who you are. And then you give him your life. You surrender your life. So if you're here today and you want to surrender your life to Christ, just right where you're at, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. I would just love to know who I'm leading. Right where you're at, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to be in right relationship with Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him. I see a hand. Is there anybody else? I want to be in right relationship with Jesus today. Just right where you sit, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my place. And, and I'm full of expectation for a future eternity with you. Thank you for what you've done on my behalf. I'm undeserving of it, and, and that's the good news. And help me, to, help me to live in light of grace and help me to extend that and carry that message to others. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.